You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, how you doing? Uh, your host, Jeff Lloyd, here, as always, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, I told you guys I was going to get you a special treat here this week, and, and it's tough to tease these and give you previews because, you know, uh, you know when you're aiming for bigger guests, well, anything can happen. So uh, we were able to, still able to keep it here and... I'm actually excited now. Uh, you know, uh, this is now uh, I think the third third current Brown we've able to have on the show here. Uh, but joining us here to this evening, um, number fifty three in the program, number one in your hearts. Uh, obviously, now about to be fourth year linebacker out of Wisconsin, Joe Schobert. Joe, how's everything going? And thanks for your time, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, everything's going good. Body's feeling good, so no complaints. Uh, yeah, we'll get. I tell you what, we'll get to that right of the way. Um, obviously, you know this was tough for you, and you know that that Charger game just on a whole was tough. Obviously, you know J.C. Treader, another injury that occurred that week, and then you having to subsequently miss three weeks. Um, I think we learned a, a lot about you know, leadership and, and what you learned about as you know was you know, how important a middle linebacker is and things of that nature. But for you, how t- how tough was it to watch for three weeks? You're, you're not a guy who's missed, missed much football time at all. Yeah, that was the first games I've missed in my whole life in any level of sports. So it was definitely a different experience and a little rough being on the sideline. As we we kind of hit a four-game stretch right there where we were losing. Um, so it wasn't very fun. It wasn't a great environment around the, uh, the building to be in because uh, obviously we're losing and I wasn't able to be a part of the team and the defense and help uh, help the guys in my normal way. So. Um, but as soon as I was able to get back, I mean, it really made me appreciate playing football again a lot more because when you miss things, even like when you walk out to a Wednesday practice, is just after three weeks, which is almost a month in season of missing missing practice and missing games, it definitely had a, a different feel, and I was very glad to be back out there. And then we were able to turn things around on the field on Sundays too, so that was definitely a, a big plus. Well, some some you know some Sundays, some Thursday nights, some Saturday nights, which was uh, it was a welcome break from the uh, normal Sunday, Sunday one o'clock kickoff. Um, now, now this is one thing. Now, when you did get back, you know, were you a hundred percent, or you didn't see a hundred percent till probably sometime this off season? Yeah, I still think I'm probably working back up towards a hundred percent right now. Um, I I could run when I when I got back, I could run um, without too much pain or the threat of pulling a hamstring again but it was definitely not a hundred percent but um i thought uh at that point i was feeling good enough to be on the field and to be productive and not be a hindrance to the team while also being able to be out there and lend my support in terms of being vocal and getting defense set up and getting people in the right spots yeah and obviously it showed you know another season for you well over i know another hundred tackles you know maybe the three games costed you what could have been another pro bowl berth but you know seeing you go back out there you know getting back out as quick as you can uh rashard higgins was another guy obviously jc treader um it, it showed you know th- you know the changing of the attitude and it, it seems like you guys have a roster where it's 53 for 53 everybody's looking out for everybody it, it, I mean, and it showed him, you know, and I talked to Kevin Zeitler and he just, he's like, man, he's like, I, I literally would be in amazement seeing JC Treader on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, and then looking out at him trying to put on his uniform on Sunday and like, wow, you're really going to do this? But I mean, hey, I mean, if you're good enough to go, you're good enough to go, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Especially when the kind of attitude that people in the NFL have, everybody's very competitive and wants to be out there and wants to be winning games, winning football games and 
when you're on the sideline, when you're not playing, it's a really tough environment to be in when you're all your guys you've trained and worked out with the whole off season and put so much work in towards the same goal um, when they're all going out there and playing and uh, playing football and you have to watch on the sideline definitely hurts the soul a little bit. So I think everybody pushes to be back as fast as possible. And I know JCU is taking very light weeks during the week um, to be able to ready to play on Sundays. And I don't know how he was able to do it, um, but he was, he pulled it off for what, eight straight weeks, I think. So it was a lot, of, it was very impressive. <clears throat> Hopefully his ankles all healed up by now. Yeah, and that's one thing you brought about because, you know, I mean, if you're good enough to go in the competitive level in you, and JC was a guy who had missed a lot of time before his time here in Cleveland. So, I mean, for him, hey, <laughs> but, you know, whatever you got to do, man, just get me out there. I'll give you what you guys need on, I'll give you what you guys need on Sunday. Um, now, obviously, we talked about that. Now, just here, take me through, I mean, look, obviously, the Thursday night, you know, Cleveland gets introduced to Baker, basically the country, you know, Cleveland's got a quarterback. That's one thing that doesn't have to worry about anymore. And then everything else just seems, you know, you realize that there was, once you have the quarterback, he can start to see everything else come into place. Like, all right, it, it makes it a lot easier on the D-line. It makes it a lot easier on the line. I mean, because if you can score some points, it makes everybody's lives a lot easier. But take us through that. And then, obviously, you know, the Raven win. I mean, we went through, you know, the, you know, the rough patch. Obviously, you mentioned that. But that final stretch, and it was just, I mean, just some great ball being played by everybody offensively, defensively, and it seemed like almost everybody kind of had their hand in it. Anybody who dressed for game day found a way to you know make their mark, whether it be in a box score or a play here or special teams, whatever, but it really seemed like a unit that rallied together, and you know, once the, the taste of winning was there, it certainly seemed like everybody wanted a little more. Oh yeah, definitely. I think as soon as we, like the first game I came back was the Atlanta Falcons game, and they were kind of talking about playoff aspirations at that point because they've been on a four-game win streak, I think. Um, and we were able to, on defense, shut their offense pretty much out of the game for the most of the game. And obviously Baker, when he came in early in the season, uh, everybody could see his talent that he had right away and how he's a once-in-a-generational kind of guy where, I mean, he broke the touchdown records uh, for rookie quarterbacks in a season and he only played in 13 real games. So it's uh, very impressive and obviously having points like like you said, scoring points, having long drives, immensely helps out the defense. Everybody gets fresh. Everybody can talk on the sideline and communicate and figure out what's going on in the field a lot better than when it goes three and out. You got to be out there two minutes after you got on uh, off the field. So the, the combination of all that, and I think just the overall attitude and the whole facility once we started winning, it kind of all snowballed into effect, and then we got ourselves right into the playoff hunt. And I think the whole city of Cleveland was chomping at the bit for that and I mean unfortunately it didn't happen for us this year but I think we just proved to ourselves and to the city what what we're capable of in 2019 should be a lot a lot of fun and you know and and look that's one of those things look I mean you know there's going to be rivalries here in this division as the years go on you got the Ravens number the one time they got you even though I mean there was a a chance at the end you know these are battles that are going to go on for years and obviously now it'll be Lamar Jackson Baker Mayfield and you know the Ravens D versus the Browns D as you know, they've moved on to a new era here. Uh, I do want to ask you about something here. And, uh, Joe, I've kind of given you the nickname of the crossing guard as far as zone coverage. Because the one thing is people, they always talk about it is, is you know, make sure if you're in the underneath zone, make sure you're literally handing your guy off to the next zone. And I've never seen a, more, a, a guy do more of a textbook definition of that than you. Is zone coverage, I mean, I know you played some safety in high school. Was zone coverage big at Wisconsin? Or, or is this just, is are you just a guy that's just that, detail oriented because I, I've never seen anybody do it the way you do it it's it, it's almost to the letter the way it would be drawn up on a blackboard 
Yeah, I think having a safety background, um, growing up playing in high school and then in college, uh, we did have a good mix of zone and man kind of coverage principles, but um, a lot of it when two years ago when I first changed to an off-the-ball linebacker and a middle linebacker, it was kind of it was a little rough getting back into it, but once you get it used to it, the hardest part is learning what the other team's offensive route concepts are going to be. Once you get those down, you kind of really know what kind of zones to settle in, what kind of depth to settle in to get into windows and to uh, deny passing lanes um, in your section of the field. So I think that it's a combination of all that stuff. And as you gain more experience at this level, I think it just gets easier and easier and more natural because you start recognizing the, for, the other team's formations and you've seen stuff before and then you know what they're trying to hit you with. And especially if you're in a, a defense that kind of has a, some holes here and there, you can really play more into those holes to stop them from trying to exploit it and then it just kind of makes everything a little bit easier so I think it's just kind of a combination of all that stuff and I think experience being the biggest thing and I mean and it shows and it was I mean obviously you know there were, there were some issues when you were out and I know that you know you know slate because even you know then Christian Kirksey got hurt so now you guys were you know down to a second and I'm sorry then a second then a third guy in the middle and you know ideally the plan is never that you know you, you, your third string middle linebacker is going to have to take a ton of reps um, obviously off-season training for you. Now, I mean, fourth year in the league. I'm assuming this year is going to be a little different as you're still trying to, you know, get the hamstring back to 100%. But what what is Joe Schobert looking to get better on in his off-season work this year? Yeah, I think, well, number one is just to make sure when I come back for spring ball, everything is 100% healthy and ready to go. Um, in terms of weight room lifting and stuff, I've been going 100% because um, the hamstring, uh, the legs, I feel perfectly fine doing squats and those kind of movements. And I've been running, um, just kind of building it back up, getting used, getting used to running at full speed. So when I come back to OTAs, it won't be the first time I sprinted this whole off season. Um, but then from there, just a lot of, a lot of different things. I mean, we're going to have a new defense this year, so it's going to be a little bit of studying. Um, coaching staff came from the Carolina Panthers for six or seven years uh, during their good run. So I've been watching some of those Carolina Panthers games, just kind of picking up on little tidbits from the guys that they play against. And, and we were not allowed to talk with our coaches about scheme or anything right now. So it's kind of very low level stuff, but um, just getting a little prepared mentally for that. And I think just getting the body back to hundred percent and uh, building on next year, get a little faster, a little stronger and a little, a little better mentally. And I think we'll have a really good year in 2019. Oh, I, I don't doubt that at all. Um, guys, you listen to Locked On Browns here. We're sitting down here with, obviously, you know, uh, Pro Bowl and probably should be two-time Pro Bowl linebacker Joe Schobert. Guys, iTunes, rating, reviews. Now's a great time to go ahead and drop one of those. Um, now, like you said, Joe, I understand you can't comment much, but, it, you know, as far as, you know, Steve Wilkes, and, and I think one of the things is, is, you know, everybody wants to say, oh, Arizona, you know, you wonder how much Steve was able to do there because, obviously, it was only one year, was the head coach, but now you, you, you talk about just the Carolina film. Uh, obviously, Steve Wilkes loved his linebackers. There were three number one picks running around in that core. So this is going to be a system where a guy like Joe Schobert, whose baby, you know, should have been probably a two-time Pro Bowl player, this should be something that only helps Joe Schobert and the production he puts up. Because obviously it's a scheme that it, it seems like it, it, it wants a lot of plays out of the linebackers. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the, one of the biggest things. You need linebackers who can go in and make those plays. And if you got good linebackers, they're going to be focal points of the defense and making a lot of plays all over the field. And you see that with the Carolina guys from Keith Lee to Thomas Davis um, and Shaq Thompson and all those guys. 
made a lot of plays for the Panthers when they were good. And I think, well, obviously, last year in Carolina is a new year. I mean, uh, in Arizona is a new year uh, when he went down there. And I don't know exactly how much he had in the, the whole defense because, uh, he, like you said, he was the head coach. But um, I think he was kind of dealt a little short end of a stick down there, only being given one year and not being able to get his stuff, like, implemented. And you only give a coach a year, it's not going to be super successful if there's not a lot of talent or base there. Um, when he gets there, so I'm just happy that he ended, ended up here. And I mean, I met him this offseason and got to talk a little bit. And he seems like a great guy and he's going to hold a lot of people accountable and be very hardworking for us in the defense. And I think he'll mesh really well with Freddie. So I'm really excited to, uh, to get back in OTAs and kind of see where this thing starts going. Yeah, I think you get a guy who comes here highly motivated. And you, like you said, that the one the one thing I cannot stand is you know giving a head coach a one year shot it's just it's just not fair because there's only so much you can do and there's only so much of making the team you know your mold your brand of what you like to do but you know good thing for the browns is is you know he, he comes in with a little bit of chip on his shoulder and he wants to prove everybody you know that he was worthy of that shot and maybe he was worthy of lo- more time and you know obviously he comes here and he's got some certain chess pieces to, to go with, um, and that's where I want to go with here. Um, and it's weird, Joe, you going into your fourth year, and not even 26 years old yet, but you kind of like one of the stalwart vets of this defense now. Uh, talk to me a little bit about you know, Larry Ogunjobi, Jabril Peppers, Denzel, Jannard Avery, these young guys, you know, obviously you know, so, you know, going into second and third years, but every one of these guys had a bunch of shiny moments late, last year where they just, everything just seems like it was really just meshing and meshing very well. I mean, every one of them had individual highlight moments, you know, whether it was week in, week out, you know, some more than others. But these guys really stepping up in the, into the role of becoming solid NFL players. Yeah, definitely. I think also Miles Garrett's a pretty good player too. So well, it, It's uh, almost even tiresome <laughs> to talk about him at this point, Joe, because, I mean, the, the first Cincinnati game, 12 pressures. 12, 12, it's just an insane amount of number to even say. But, yeah, I think that number 95 guy, I think he's going to pan out. Yeah, so like you said, we have a lot of really good young players, a lot of good chess pieces, and I think the biggest jump you make in the NFL is between your first and second year when you're a rookie. You kind of get thrown into it, and even though you've played football your whole life, it's just a totally different game, the structure of the meeting, the training camp, the playing with guys who are 8 to 10 years older than you, playing against guys who have been in the league since you were in high school. It's a totally different environment and takes a lot of getting used to. Um, but when, once you get used to it your second year, you see a lot of people make really big jumps, and then it just keeps growing from there. So I think we got, a, like you said, a lot of those young guys who've had a lot of great moments. Like I just remember Larry earlier in the season against the Saints had two sacks yep. that counted, I think, three or four, because two of them got called back for a specific uh, I, reasons I don't really remember, but he was just extremely dominant in that game. Like you said, Denzel had had a great year, went to the Pro Bowl, um, had a bunch of interceptions, and teams just really stopped throwing at him. Um, and then when you get Miles coming off the edge, it makes everything a little bit easier for the the secondary, the back seven, in, in coverage. Um, and then you got a lot of guys, you know, from Terrence Mitchell to TJ Terry, a little bit more veteran guys who were making a lot of plays on the ball over the year and had good moments uh, getting turnovers. I think. We were second in the NFL in turnovers last year, so hopefully this year we can take it to number one. Yeah, and I, I will go to two moments because you brought up the Falcon game, and then you just mentioned TJ Carey, and you know TJ. And look, you know, look the penalties. We want to get into that, and you know, some of them, a lot of them were called. Some should have been called. Not enough of them were called in some instances. But all crazy with that. But TJ Carey's performance against Julio Jones. 
that was, I mean, he went one-on-one at basically, I mean, in a lot of people's opinion, the best the game has to offer. And, I mean, the Falcons literally, I mean, you saw, you know, the, the, the video, the audio from the sidelines, the video from the sidelines, they couldn't figure it out because, you know, TJ Carey, obviously, they were like, all right, this is the matchup we're looking for. And, you know, TJ's got that length and he's a little sticky, you know, and, I mean, grabby, whatever. Sometimes you get calls, sometimes you don't. But he was in Julio's head that day and he gave him all he could handle. Yeah, definitely. I think that was one of the biggest reasons we won that game. Obviously, TJ's a great corner and, I mean, to be a corner in the NFL in this day and age is just, you. if you breathe on a receiver too hard and then they drop a pass, it's a pass interference call. So it's one of the hardest positions to play right now. Um, and all the guys who do it at a high level are extremely talented um, athletes as well as um, being really good ball, with ball skills and body control. So, I mean, that was one of the biggest reasons we won that game, and he's done a lot of good things. I think he's one of the biggest things he's done has been a great veteran presence and not just the DB room, but on the defense. Um, guys trust him. He's been in the league. This is his second contract. And here in Cleveland, we don't have a lot of guys who have been around for too long. So, like you said, I'm one of the older guys on the defense. And it's only my fourth year. So, um, I think having him was a huge boon for our defense, and it showed throughout the year. And that was the thing, and it, and it kind of worked out, and because it kept seeming like, wow, I mean, John's bringing in more corners. He's bringing in more corners. Wow, we drafted Denzel Ward at four. But, I mean, I don't, I mean, you could probably count on one hand the amount of weeks they actually had every cornerback to play. But, you know, it's good, though, because if you do get injuries, obviously, at the time Mitchell missed, you know, EJ Gaines, obviously, the time he missed, he mixed that in. Obviously, Denzel missed a little time. So it would look to be like almost a head scratcher at the time. It, it panned out because at least two servants of cornerbacks were going in week in, week out. I do want to get uh, Jabril Pepper's game in Denver. And this was. Because obviously, you know, through 17, which was obviously a very, very tough year, you guys were fantastic on D. It was just a question of getting enough points to get some wins. But it was almost seemed like the wins in 18 were, you know, hey, all right, we got enough points, we're up, all right, we just have to hold them here. But the Denver was the statement one where you guys, as a defense, were able to say, well, we can get back in on the fun now. And Jabril that night, and obviously, you know, it's been up and down, and he's finally in a role where he's comfortable with almost playing a, a, a pseudo, you know, a pseudo, whether they want to call it, you know, a money backer or they want to call it, a, you know, a nickel safety. But, you know, for a guy, you know, a little slight, little under six feet, he plays really, really solid ball within six to seven yards of the line of scrimmage. Oh, yeah, definitely. Jabril's a very physical guy, and I think, like you said, took a huge step up the, this past season, and that's the front that jump I think you see from a lot of guys in their first and second year and he was in a position more suited to himself as a strong safety rather than a free safety um, and within our defense we he's a very smart guy so you could just tell during the week they put a lot coaches put a lot on his plate and he was able to soak a lot of it up and play in critical spots and critical roles of our defense um, and make big plays and I think the Denver game is the first the, the game that everybody remembers because he made a bunch of big plays and I think that's just if he keeps doing the stuff he's been doing, he can have a whole career making plays like that. He could be one of the best in the game because he's got the talent and he's got the attitude. Obviously, he's got to stay healthy and keep a good a mindset about it going all the way. And it was actually funny because I was at a Christmas party at a town here in New Jersey, and it was just funny because I was just like, you know, in the beginning, oh, the Browns are on, and some of these people, that you know, they didn't know, and like I don't talk about the fact I cover them. And they were, wow, these guys are really good. And it was just like, yeah, people don't know them, but yet, but yeah, this team has got a bunch of good football players on it. 
Guys, you listen to Lockdown Browns here. Joe Sherbert, kind enough to join us. Uh, whether it is Twitter, whether it's Instagram, anything you would need from the Lockdown NFL Network, check out the Lockdown NFL Net accounts on Instagram, on Twitter. Everything's funneled there from every show, whether it's the 32-team-specific team, uh, 32 shows, whether it's the draft shows, whether it's fantasy shows. Check us out over on Instagram and Twitter on Lockdown NFL Net. Uh, just a couple before we go here. Um, Freddie, as it went on, did any of you guys realize that, oh, wow, maybe this guy was a running back coach. Maybe there's a little something more there. For me, it was it was the Carolina game because it was, I think the way he handled it during the week, and I always go back to this one, is he was he gave mad credit to Luke Keekley and he was like, well, if Baker struggles, well, then he calls it the line. Luke Keekley is going to be able to help him out. And that week, he came back with a game plan with the counters with Jarvis Landry, basically going right after Luke Keekley. And it just seemed, as that run went on, it was like, well, you know, you know, you never want to get too much caught up in the moment, but it was like, wow, I don't think this is something we want to change here. And, you know, as the process went on, you know, Freddie ended up getting the gig. But it just, it really seemed like everybody just seemed to kind of jive with, with Freddie. And it seems like he's a really easygoing guy. Is that the case? Yeah, definitely. I think Freddie's a great guy, um, and he does a good job, especially communicating with the offense uh, last year and the players. I think a lot of guys have said in, uh, in the media that uh, he, like, he'd go to the offensive line and ask them, you know, what plays do you like to run and what plays like do you guys feel comfortable with and what plays do you guys not feel comfortable with on game day? And the offensive line would tell them their plays, and I think a lot of coaches do that, but then they don't follow through with it. And Freddie would just call the plays that the offensive line felt, like if we're in the second quarter, big third down and one or two, he'd ask him what your favorite play is, and those are the plays that we would run. Um, and obviously he has a great relationship with Baker, and they understand each other and get each other, um, and he makes sure Baker's comfortable. He's not doing anything that he's not uh, comfortable with. I think that paid huge dividends with us down the stretch, and obviously for Freddie himself being that way was one of the big reasons why he's now the head coach. Uh, so I think a lot of guys are excited because obviously people have seen Freddie and interacting with him around the building and know how good of a guy he is. And it's just going to be exciting um, coming up this year to see how far we, he can take us. And, and I think that's one thing. And, you know, some of the guys I have talked with, some of the players, I think what they did like is, is you know, they wanted somebody who was a part of this to stay a part of this. I, it was, you know, they didn't want somebody else to say, oh, well, now that the Cleveland Browns have something going, maybe that's an attractive job. They wanted somebody who was part of it. And I think that's what kind of endured Freddie to end up being the guy um, I talk with guys in the season ticket office. I talk with a lot of fans. Tickets are getting sold. Everybody's excited, Joe. How excited should we all be for this 2019 season? Yeah, I mean, I think 2019, the the baseline lowest goal should be making the playoffs because I think we proved to ourselves and everybody around the league that we belong and we're a very competitive team and we got a lot of talent here and we can win games. And I think if we just everybody stays healthy, everybody stays in the right mindset this off season and come back comes back ready to work in twenty nineteen, there's no telling how far we can go. Um we got a lot of talent on this team, a, a lot of guys, a lot of young guys who are signing locked into contracts for quite a long time. So there's uh the sky's really the limit and I think especially with the way the AFC North the off season's gone this last two months or whatever, um, there's a AFC North is really gonna be up for grabs next year and I think Cleveland, the Browns, we have probably one of the better chances to win the division. I think there's going to be a lot of guys in a lot of in our room uh, in our uh, building who are going to be taking that seriously, and that's going to be the the low goal. With obviously the Super Bowl being being the end goal. 
Yeah, and and I don't think you know. I mean, and some people who want to you know poo poo on what the Browns did last year. Uh, I, I mean, you, you put the Oakland game in the mix, you put the Tampa game in the in the mix, which easily could have been wins, and that would have been the AFC North division crown right there. So I mean, it, the, this team isn't far off. Obviously, you know, you know, some things are going to be added, subtraction. It's just the way you know NFL rosters work. But uh, you know, there's nothing you cannot be excited about Cleveland Browns here, wise as we you know head towards and forge on to 2019. Joe, I do want to thank you for your time here, guys. Uh, Joe Schober, kind enough to give us some time here this evening, um, guys. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.